This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. to the Pride of West London podcast. We are here in Brentford Town, in old Brentford Town this week at One Over the Eight, which is a lovely old style, brand new Fuller's Pub, right on Kew Bridge and probably, well, less than a stone's throw from where Brentford was formed all those 125 years ago. So if you ever feel like you want to get really close to, you know, where Brentford actually was born. Pop down here before the game, um, have, a, have a beer um, down by the river and uh, wallow in nostalgia. So I'm joined this week by some of the usual rabble. To my left, I have Matt Allard. Matt, how you doing, mate? Yeah, very well, very well. Just um, kind of a little bit of, a little bit of, a bit relieved after. Saturday's result, and um, and I'm um, avoiding the Rugby World Cup as much as I possibly can. Well, I say avoiding the Rugby World Cup, but it was kind of on, and it was it actually got a little bit exciting back in the pub afterwards. I'll, I'll skip over it, but you know, seeing a team, in, another team in red and white win was uh, was good straight after the Brentford match. Uh, Nick Carthew, um, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, good. Had a couple of days at the seaside, which was fun, and uh, even better was to tell some QPR supporter that I know that no, I would not be getting them a ticket for the game. So you know, told them where to go. Yeah, get out of here. Um, and Billy, Billy the Bee, Billy is back. I'm back indeed. I've got a football fix already this week again. Down at Dulwich Hamlet again yesterday to see uh, six goal goals. Uh, Dulwich played uh, Hampton and Richmond as well. So good, good night out as all. I was there with the Allards as well. We were there hanging. He was hanging out in the in the home end. Infiltrator. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I I come from near Hampton or Hampton and Richmond as they're known, but let's call them Hampton. Um, but it, you know, it's like a non-league. You can stand up the other end, and it's no problem. And you and you can have a beer by the by the sounds of it. Yeah. Not only could you buy officially buy beers and take them outside with you, um, you could also smuggle them in. And, um, and, you and get to smuggle them in. You just sort of well, well, just take yeah, them. Yeah, there was no smuggling actually. To be fair, um, and it was yeah, it was a great night out. Good so, night out. So in other words, you were treated like adults. 
Yeah, yeah, well, steady on. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I think that's the appeal of going there, is yeah. you do get treated like adults. Yeah, yeah. no, it was, and, and uh, one of the Brentford players, actually two Brentford players on the bench, we had yeah. uh, Hutchinson. Eddie Hutchinson, Eddie, yeah. Eddie Hutchinson was there, the Hutch, and also uh, Henton, the, the youth team player yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Double-barreled uh, youth team player yeah. who didn't quite get on the pitch, did he? No, neither of them were, were invited onto the pitch. Um, to be honest, it was such a good game that um, I don't, I, I think they, you know, both managers made a couple, one or two substitutions, but six goals and it was end to end, and it was almost like free flowing football. It was brilliant, eh? brilliant um, non league football. Obscure knowledge is us in that one, yeah, that really is. Come on, let's move on quick. <laughs> so you you got your you got your midweek f- football fix, and uh, so and yeah, the last the last person here today is me, uh, Dave Lane. So uh, yeah, so welcome, um, Matt. You kind of touched on it there. There was a there was a, a big sense of relief that followed the uh, the Preston game at the weekend. Um, <laughs> It, it could have gone wrong. It almost did go wrong. We were 1-0 down within 30 seconds. There was a, 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 a you know, the, the, the clouds and the vultures were starting to uh, to gather over Griffin Park. Fortunately, um, we put it right in the second half. Um, and to be honest with you, it was put right in some style. Um, Nick, you know, the introduction of, of Canos really, really did put the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, you know, he, he's, he really turned the game on his head. So, you know, he, his passion you know, when he when he joined from Liverpool, there was an immediate kind of sense of enthusiasm. You could see it in his tweeting. Every, everything that the guy's done shows that he's probably going to be a very, very you know, he's going to have a really good career in the game because he's got the right attitude. Pulling on a red and white shirt after coming down from Liverpool, it can't be easy. Some players struggle, don't they? Some people, you know, some young players expect he's willing to roll his sleeves up. Yeah, we haven't had a necessarily a very good history with uh, players on loan from Liverpool, but he looks totally different. And the, the one person I think also deserves a lot of credit is Marinus, because he went in the second half, second half, half-time, he obviously said a few words in the changing room, and he came out with a plan B. And as Brentford supporters, we're not used to necessarily seeing a plan B that much um, when things start to go wrong. We're just told that plan A make and execute it better. Well, on Saturday afternoon, plan B was put into operation. And I thought it was a really, really good and encouraging second half. I mean, as you know, you guys made it to Leeds and Middlesbrough and you came back and said, particularly at Middlesbrough, is that the team played really good football and didn't deserve to lose. I mean, and that was quite obvious by the way that we played in the second half on, on Saturday afternoon. So I'm really encouraged by that. Yeah, well, it's true. We, we didn't didn't deserve to lose either of those games. But what we did lack was that extra dimension. And Canos and that flick by Durison, um, that showed that, you know, with a little bit... That, that's the extra bit of trickery. I think it's going to make a difference. What did you think, Matt? Yeah, I think um, it, it was exactly that. I think I think we got we really got caught out Saturday by letting that early goal in because I'm sure we went with um, Macker and Toombs in midfield just to hold. And, and make sure we didn't give anything away early in the game, and, and then get the ball out wide to you know to otherwise otherwise you'd have played Macro at right back. Get the ball out wide. That's where the pace was going to be, um, because if you look at our front three, Judge is always going to come inside. Vibe isn't going to run wide and cross the ball, etc. And 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 that was so, so when we did end up in this difficult situation, um, they could bring Canis on, and suddenly we did have that bit of pace out wide that you know we were we, we wouldn't have had. So much from Vibay. Vibay is a tricky player. He's a good player, and he worked his socks off. But Canos gave us something else. 
I have to admit that I was actually disappointed in the first half because I was so excited after coming back from Borough, even though we lost. I mean, you heard us enthusing about the fact that the team actually plays some really good football because I had, a, I had a bit of a fear, sort of an inside fear, of wondering whether or not, you know, when the team are going to click, how they're going to click, what type of football they're going to play, if the players are going to be able to step up to the mark, whether or not they're good enough. All that kind of stuff was in the back of your mind. And at least you saw some signs of it, you thought, actually, this is quite good, this. You know, they're doing some really good stuff here, and Jurisin looks like, he, you know, he knows where the goal is. So that was encouraging. But then when we went to Borough, and I know there was a lot of people going around saying, oh, you know, what you're talking about, we lost. But we really did play some wicked football. We were pinging the ball around, and if you listen back to, you know, the, 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 what, what some of the Borough fans said, and they were saying it respectfully, not taking the piss, they were saying, look, actually, you play some wicked football, best team that's come around there. So when we played that first half against Preston, and to be honest with you, it wasn't up to scratch. I just thought, here we go again. It, we, we're obviously, you know, this might have been a one-off. We're not quite up to it. And that really actually kind of sort of worried me. So at half-time, I was a little bit like, oh, good God, here we go. And it was really nice to see them come out, nice, yeah, in the second half, flip the game up, take the game to them. But also it goes to show you how one player can just make a complete change. Remember that a couple of seasons ago, we were struggling against Colchester. Uwe Rosler is right on the downer, right on the proper downer, and, you know, we'd lost against Colchester, uh, no, uh, against Stevenage. Stevenage. We were playing Colchester, we were 1-0 down, and we were like, oh, here we go, same again. People are going, Rosler, you're out. And he brought in Kadeem Harris, and Kadeem Harris came in, and he flipped the game up, and we won that game 3-1. And it's kind of like this key players. Last season, people seem to forget that there were times when Alex Pritchard actually carried the side to a certain extent, not putting the side down, but when the rest of the team was doing all right, he was out there doing his things, and he'd do one little bit of skill or something like that, which might just get us the win, which we might not have got otherwise. Yeah, no, I agree, and um, I think you know, really at home, it's been, it's going to have to be sort of incremental improvements. You know, I think the first game, the the, the Ipswich match, we got out of jail there um, with an awful pitch. Um, the Oxford game was absolutely forgettable. Um, but I think there was nerves around the pitch. The Reading was the new pitch. Um, I don't necessarily think the, our our players had 100% confidence in it. Now there's no excuses, and we you know we we put in a, a below par um, first half performance on Saturday. But we now know that we can win on home soil. That's the most important thing. I'm expecting um, the Sheffield Wednesday game for us to be a little bit more relaxed, more confident, and for us to really sort of impose ourselves. You know, what are you expecting from Sheffield, Matt? Um, I think that I think we're still I think we're still up against it. If I'm honest, I'm not I'm not absolutely um, I'm not absolutely certain that we're going to be able to carry on where we left off on Saturday. I think we may find that we're going to have to sort of grind something out again. I, I, at the moment, I'm not. You know, what what, what teams he going to pick? Is he going to throw Canos on from the start? I suspect you'll probably put him on the bench. So therefore, are we maybe going to start with the same team, um, or is he going to throw Woods in and put Macrot right back? I, I you know, I, I think that's all open to debate. So I don't think we're by any. I, we're not the finished article. We've got a bit of momentum. The main thing on Saturday is don't don't lose Saturday. I'm glad you pointed out that bit, um, uh, Matt, because what worries me is who we're going to play in centre mid. 
Uh, if you're moving, if you've got Matt playing at right back, which is a logical conclusion, uh, you've got Toombs in centre midfield. But I still think you need somebody with a bit of bite, which Matt Cormack was providing in in that position. And you know, looking at our bench, we haven't really got anybody who we can bring off who's got got that bite and that fight because that's what you need in the championship. Right, well, well, it's obvious that Marinus actually prefers him in midfield, and he slotted him to right back when we had to on Saturday. But saying that, when he slotted to right back actually I thought he looked really good he looked actually more comfortable in that position everything looked much more commanding in the second half I mean I know Preston laid yeah, off but a I think bit. he can grow into I think he I think the Cormac will grow over a course of games into being a really effective centre midfielder you, you know it's a different position you've got to you know you've got to learn how to play it again because he has played, he played for, for me I think if you play Tombs I can see you do, I can see it you know maybe doing it away but if you play Tombs and um, McCormack as your two central midfielders I think you've got a lot of industry there um, but I think you're probably missing out on some creativity and I think that was the that, that was the reason for putting pace out at right back that's why Clark came in um, I, so I think it, there's still some questions about the balance are we going to play Clark as right back and Canos you know on the right I, I can't see that happening um, I, you know there's all sorts of things it's, it's, we're not quite there yet I think there's still a few you know a few um, a, a few positions that we just need to so find the, get the balance. So, so he has got. I mean, he has got a few. So I mean, we have got an injury crisis, but we, he has got some selection problems, which it shows we have got some some sort of strength. Um, you know, I'm I'm slightly in pain. I want to see more of Woods. You know, I, he's someone that's hugely exciting. But I agree that you know, Dykehausen he knows his squad better than than us probably after after seeing him in training. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to take his judgment on that. But can we risk playing Woods at the moment? Because um, confidence is still not that high amongst supporters certainly whether it is amongst the team we don't know and can we risk playing Woods who is an untried and unproven player I mean you know looks good but makes the odd mistake I would suggest probably we need to get and get a few games under our belt where we've won or drawn so that we're secure in ourselves we know that there isn't this isn't going to be the relegation season or whatever and just just take it carefully but we know football doesn't work like that you know I, I think fortune favours the brave and, and I think sometimes you've just got to say actually let's go for it because you know we know that pays off Canos you know again he showed what he can do given the chance we haven't seen Woods at home properly um, I, I just think uh, why not you know he, he's got the ability to scare the life out of out of Sheffield Wednesday um, he's kind of Pritchard-esque um, he's a bit, a bit of foreshore about him as well he, he, I think he's someone that can really really start playing some balls through to Jurisin. I think we can have some joy with him. Um, you know, I, I, I see your point. Sometimes, you know, we we are we are, as I said, incrementally getting into the season now. Don't really want to risk it, but I think you know, let's go for it at home. Mm. I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think there's another thing though. Canos comes in. Where do we put? Where does Vibe go? He. I, there was a point on Saturday I thought oh we must have gone 4-4-2 4-4-2 because we're playing Vibe up front with Jurisson but actually I think when I looked at it I think all that happened was Vibe came into the middle and played where Kirschbaum had been playing Kirschbaum had dropped back a bit um, and Vibe was more effective in that position because he got beyond Jurisson a few times which I don't think Kirschbaum did particularly um, so I think there's still uh, to be honest I think he could still you know there's 4-4-2 there's 4-3-3 and there's still all these little options which actually isn't we're not in you know 
there is an injury crisis, but we have got a few options, mainly because we've got a few players a little bit versatile, McCormack being one of them, Woods possibly being another one, um, V-Bay being a, being a third. So, you know, a bit, little bit of versatility, and that gives you some options maybe to sort of change things and do things different. Key thing, though, Saturday, was we got a centre-back partnership that worked, I thought. Bill. Kirschbaumer is kind of one of those players that it's easy to overlook or forget for some reason. Um, have you seen enough of him yet to have an opinion? I mean, again, come back to it. I mean, I've seen less games than you guys because I've been away for a while, but I've seen enough and heard about him enough. I think the thing about Kirschbaumer is that I think the one thing that you have to remember is, from what I can gather, Kirschbaumer again wasn't first choice player in that position as well. He's come about playing that position because of the injuries, right? We've had other, you know, other players that have come in before him, but because of the injuries. So he's come inside there, and I think he has got potential again, but he's still learning the game, learning, you know, everything you know about it, and I see flashes of him doing some good things, but still I, just, I wouldn't say a weak link as such, but I think Kirschbaumer for me still can possibly do more within the team, and um, you know, if, if, if we were to you know, replace a player in that midfield, it, it, it would be him for me. I think that's being very. I think that's being very generous, Billy. <laughs> I think because uh, to be honest, I don't think Kirsch Barmer has produced anything really oh, that has set we, me like we, we it. Are we finding a new, I am not going to condemn him like I have yeah. condemned others in the past on a longer track record. The hanging job. Yeah, now, <laughs> now that Harley Dean is, is, is actually performing out of his socks, um, you it's know. But I do, I, I do wonder. I don't, you know. Can anybody round here recall anything that he's really contributed to the team um, when he's been on the pitch? He, yeah. You know, and he, and he has, in my opinion, gone missing a couple of times as well. That that may be again because he's one of those players who's got to get used to the pace of the championship and all that sort of stuff. But. I, I think the jury really still has to be out on him to hang Judge Carthy. I, I, I think you're probably right. Um, I think he will he will come really into his own in a, in a more successful team. I think once we're once we're relaxing, once once we've once we're in full flow, um, once we're we're spraying the ball across and we're we're dictating the play, I think he, he will come into it. I don't I don't think necessarily he's equipped at the moment for the backs against the wall kind of digging deep and struggling in the championship. I, I think he's one for a sunny day rather than a rainy. Day, but um, um, we'll come. But, but also, I mean, the other thing I'll say about him is that he's got bags of energy, and he's the kind of player that you bring off the, you know, you bring off the bench. It could be a different situation if he's come off the bench after 70 minutes, going completely bonkers like he does. You know what I'm saying? Some some teams to be just like, what's going on here? Who is this bloke? Like, you know. So, I think we've been probably forced into a situation where he's had to pay from day one and from minute one, and it, it, we're still having to deal with it. It's the, the there's a, this, this sort of, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, but there's, but, but still talking about this general point. There is some talk that actually maybe we need to get some loan players in that have got some experience in the championship, etc., etc. Well, whatever. But, but loan players with some who already have some experience and are available. 
The thing is, though, if we do that, we then can't play Kirsch. You know, we can't then play the players that we actually need to be playing to get more experience. So, so it's you know that that sort of thing. I it, it, I'm thinking with Kirschbaumer. Yeah, actually, we need to sort of take him out and put someone in that knows what they're doing. But then, but another bit of me thinks, we, while we can get away with it, keep him going because it may just suddenly click. But that brings that back to the same question that you're saying, and a few of us have been asking about bringing in extra players. Do we bring in a right back because of the injury to Colin? Because you know you want to keep, as you were saying, McCormack in the midfield, or do we play Josh Clark there and actually get him up to speed as a right back? Because at the end of the day. We want him to be playing for Brentford, you know, oh. and, and it might take a few mistakes. Or, and or throw Woods in there because he played right back at Shrewsbury. Um, I've never seen him play right back, so I've got no idea. But if, if you want to get him on the pitch in a position where you know he, it's not as fundamentally important, arguably a central midfield, give him a go at right back, get him playing I, as another option. If we were confident, if I were confident that the, that the crowd at Griffin Park would give the time a bit of the team a bit of time. To you know, and should we happen to lose one game, and you know everybody didn't suddenly panic and say, right, that's it, relegation season, then I might agree with that. that but it, I go back to the point that I said earlier about wanting to sort of consolidate at the moment, and the team needing to to get to a position where it either knows that it can really make a good push for promotion or at least the playoffs or it will know right we're happy we're secure we'll be a mid-championship team no, no threat of relegation and then you can start playing the players and experimenting doing all that I think at the moment I would like to see us consolidate and make sure that everything is ticking along nicely we're not going to have crowds booing or expressing disappointment on message boards etc before we start experimenting with lineups and line and, and where so sit on sit on the fence yeah yeah, absolutely. Well, well, no, no, no. It's not sitting on the fence. No, it's no, it's not. It's being called sensible, sensible, serious, and sensible. But I think I think the Woods at right back option is is that you can then keep Macker if you want to keep Macker and Toombs in midfield. That's an option of at right back. I, I personally, I still think Macker and Macker and um, Toombs in the middle in a, in a home game is a bit too negative. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I think I, I think like picking bits out from everyone's argument. You know, I think it is important once once you. If we get, say, we get another four points from these next two home games, or we get six points from these next two home games, I think then you start to realise that we're not, you know. And I, I, I hand on heart, know that we aren't a relegation fodder team. So once you know that we're 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 not going to go down, I think you really should start developing your own players. I, I, re, I really, if you've got that confidence and you've got that kind of knowledge, I think you know Clark um, having having a you know five six game run. Um, it's going to do him the power of good. Um, so, uh, you know, I think Kirschbaumer believing in me can only get better. You know, we've seen how, how much how much improvement um, a season gives a player, and how, how much belief and confidence they've got. And not to mention how much value they earn by having a year under their belts at this level. So, you know, um, I, I think that um, we, we should stick with what we've got, We're not going to the loan market quite yet. I, I think the right back position is probably one where, you know, that's the one you, you might want to look at. But everywhere else for the moment, and maybe another striker, but, you know, I think we'll, we'll see as, as week by week. I think what we should do after this little jingle is talk about the injury crisis because um, it's quite long. Injuries. 
Back in the 80s, I don't know if you, how many of you remember this, but in the programme every week, Eddie Lyons used to have Eddie's Injury Corner, and there used to be a little caricature of an injured bumblebee with bandages all around him and a, and a, and a sort of walking stick. Um, we, need to, we need that resurrected quite quickly because... Um, It'd be a full page, though, wouldn't it? a full page, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a special edition. It's, it's, yeah, we would have to have a couple of pages. It'd be a supplement, an injury supplement. Um, I think it might be worth running through our injuries one by one. I think I think it's ten now. Is that right, Bill? Ten? Oh, what's, what's the time? <laughs> no, no, oh, Matt, no more injuries have come in in the last 15 minutes. Well, yeah, we've had no telegrams. We're waiting for the pigeon to arrive. Um, Somebody just fell over running for a bus. But I, I think I think we're going to do this because there's, there's been kind of a couple of murmurings, like there's some sort of there's some sort of pattern emerging, like like we've done something different this year that could that could be causing all this. But you know, I'll, I'll, let's go through them one by one and, and just kind of just see how how the injuries were caused. Probably the the most notable one is Bielend, um, pitch, pitch, gate. Uh, pitch gate, and um, it was during a game. So there's kind of there's no that's, that's just a ran, you know that, well, so well it's a bit more than random, but it's um it's not it's not like caused by anything that anyone's doing. It's not a training grounds debacle. McEachran. Um, we haven't seen him at all. Um, he's got a broken foot, which I guess is a, a training contact injury um, pre-season. So uh, I would imagine they're doing a match match situation. So that's a, a match injury. Colin, um, he got hit on the knee with a ball. It sounds like McLeod's kind of injury, that one. Um, McLeod is obviously another one. He's had a catalogue of injuries. I think the, the, the more recent one is a rising attack. I think that's, that's the most recent of his injuries. He's fallen over twigs, birds, um, sparrow, sparrow pecked him in the eye, um, and he got a, a swarm of ants was, was the other, other thing he was out for. Um, uh, Jota um, asked Jonathan Douglas about that one, I think. Um, he, w- he wasn't happy about that at all. Was he no, hotter? Hotter, no, not at all. So that's a that's a game-related one. Whether there, whether there's blame, there's a claim. So <laughs> so whether he's able to get a solicitor on that, I'm I'm not quite so sure. Um, Tarky, I'm not quite sure. We know what's happened, Tarky. You got? A, is, it, is, it, is it a thigh? Is it, is, is it a thigh? I think it's a thigh. Is it? Yeah, his leg or his thigh? Not a husky bite. No, I mean you've got a theory about that because I know I know. Sorry. About claims and lawyers. I, yeah. think, I think it's probably easier to talk about the prime minister than it is to talk about that one at the moment. Um, Gogia, um, that's a bit of a mystery. I think I think he got substituted. Whether that was an injury, but he hasn't played since he got subbed at Reading. So um, he missed he missed the Leeds and the Borough trips. So that was possibly a game injury. Well, that's a vague one. I'm not sure. Scott. Hogan was, well, that was, in, that was um, Rotherham away last year, and then he broke down in training, um, like a recurrence of his knee injury, so, you know, um, no pattern there. The Hoffman was... Another bizarre game bizarre, injury, where he went yeah. off his stomach, yes. from what I can remember. Yeah, Leeds, at Leeds. I mean, we, we thought that he was, he was laughing at, um, at Uwe Rosler and, uh, <laughs> and um, Marinus squaring up to each other, actually. Yeah, oh, well, I think he, he strained himself almost winning a ball in the air um, Sam Saunders well Wickham broke him didn't they in yeah. the Wembley and I think he's had a, 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 another breakdown the RAC have been out for him a couple of times and it was a semi-final I think wasn't it 
Yeah. No, it's the final. Was it? No, it's the final, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's right, within, yeah. within 30 seconds, yeah. from what I can remember. Yeah. yeah. And um, Andre Gray, that's the other. Oh, no, he's oh, not yeah, out anymore, no. yeah. But he's injured as well, so it shows but, you. But that's our fault as well. Oh, that's our fault, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all our fault. It's all our fault. So there you go. I mean, um, it's a, a, just a, a collection of like non-links injuries, it would seem. So. But the, but the thing is that, you know, it's quite, there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. But it is quite strange that we've got all these injuries and, you know, to have four or five injuries is quite bad. To have seven is quite bad. You know, we had at one stage, I think, 12 or 13 injuries and a lot of them are first-team players as well. And how that affects, you know, and it's like, you're not, we're not going out making excuses, but that's got to affect your team. There's no shadow of a doubt, especially a team that's kind of like not even quite come together. And all of a sudden, it's like all your plans have got to pot because all your top players are out. I, I, it must affect it must affect the management as well because when um, Barbe, you see how hard when he went down really hard on Saturday. I mean, um, he made um, he made um, who's Joe Garner who went down in a similar in, in a very un. Similar fashion, Joe Garner. Joe Garner, the Preston centre forward, I'm sure it was, who laid on the pitch for about five minutes as if he broke his collarbone or something, got up and carried on. Barbe actually hit the ground with a smack, but like literally where I was sitting in Euro, it, you could you could hear the thud and feel it. Um, and and everybody, so, everybody, so but but it was seismic almost. Everybody though must have been thinking, oh shit, there's another one because you know that was my initial thought was that we were we had another injury. And I think and I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? Is that now. We, you know, we seem to have sort of weathered the storm a little bit, but we're going to be right on, t- you know, tender hooks if there's another game injury or something like that as to, you know, how quickly are we going to get people back? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, you know, you would hope that it's, it's, they're all going to be healing issues now, but there, I guess there is no, there's no nothing to say that we're not going to get more injuries on top of this. You know, we haven't got any room. We really, we really don't have any room to get any more injuries, do we? So let's hope whatever's causing this. And you know, there's all sorts of theories, and you can talk about love, you can talk about train, you talk about all sorts of things. It's probably a little bit of everything. It must be like a, it must be like a field hospital down at Warren Warren Farm. Yeah, I mean, just look. Neil Gregg, the uh, Brentford's head of medical, uh, did post something up on the website about this. Um, go here. I, I'm reminded. Looking at this, uh, says that he got a thigh injury sustained in training. James Koski uh, suffered a calf injury during, uh, during, during the Le- Leeds game. Hoffman, uh, a McDonnell muscle injury versus Leeds. Leeds, dirty bastards, aren't they? We know that. Uh, Lewis is training regularly with the squad and is scheduled to take part in the development game on the 6th of October. I thought you said he was sh- I thought that was scheduled to trip up yeah, again. Yeah, that's right. But Maxime is a ligament in- injury. Sam Saunders is, as, is a muff- calf muscle injury. From Josh McCrecken is a is an injured foot, so that's all right. Yossa is another muscle injury, but you know, an ankle injury, but he's had the operation on it as well. Scott, Scott, we know about. Bellend is 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 a, is a, is, a, is a, lots of muscle injuries on this one. So, is there is there something about the way that the training well, they've all got muscles as well? Yeah, but is there something about the intensity of the training? Has that was that upped a bit? Um, is it different under this regime? I think there are some questions that would be be will have more background as to why people in the club think that um, we're going through such a run. Yeah, I mean, it would be, and I know there's a forum this week as well, and maybe some of those questions will be answered. answered. I mean, I've asked the questions to a few characters out there who've said that, we've, A, we've been unlucky, and B, a lot of the injuries are contact, inverted commas, injuries, which means that whether or not it's been on the pitch or whether or not it's been in training, and, you know, 
that that's kind of the answer that's come back. Also, I think the flip side of it, and, and it makes you think. You know, last season, you know, we were very blessed with no injuries. And if you think that if we had maybe two or three players out, you know, we wouldn't have finished fifth. We might have finished eighth or ninth or tenth last season. You know, what would have happened if we had eight or ten players out? I mean, we wouldn't. You know, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are at the moment now. So it, it goes to show. There's, and there's an article as well that you sent around, Nick, as well from a, um, from Inside Football as well, which is very interesting. We might post it up on Beside, tweet it out there, or we might just post it up on the on the information to this podcast itself, which talked about. And it's a statistical article, but it talks about how statistically teams who have a proportion of their team injured, right? Over you know a percentage of games like you know over a third of the season stuff like that statistically um, finish a number of places lower than where they're expected to be and it just says that happens all the time but basically injuries and it's not like rocket science but injuries really do every single time affect your team's performance and obviously because you know a manager's job may be based on that you know finances all this kind of things are based on it it can actually kind of really wreck your season so we it's almost like listening to that I thought to be quite honest with you if we are actually able to just hold our head above water and just kind of just keep in there until our players come back we'll actually be doing well everyone's going oh we should be in the playoffs it's just like no we need to just make sure that we don't sink and just stay in there because if we do we'll actually be doing really well yeah I mean that, that, that that's a really good point because the one thing that injuries have to, have caused us is we haven't been able to field a consistent team I mean I don't think people will correct me but have we fielded the same 11 starters in any of the games that we played this season which just goes to show I can't remember, I can't recall sorry off the top of my head but what that does show is that the there's no continuity in developing and that must be really frustrating because you go in making your plans about how you're going to take on this opposition or how you're going to build and build a style of play but you're continually having to juggle it because the 11 starting players on the pitch all have different weaknesses and all have different abilities yeah. it must be really annoying I, I, guess, well, I guess we've just got to hope that the situation doesn't worsen and you know as, as it was pointed out in the podcast from the weekend when these players do start to re-emerge you know, uh, um, as they spread out over a weeks and a few months it's going to be like getting a new sign in every week so I just hope that's that's the situation and I'm sure I hope that the medical people are being scrutinised to see if there's there's anything that is, is causing it up, apart from game injuries. Yeah well as people have pointed out I mean we could field an entire first 11 of players who are out injured. I think we, we know we've got a goalkeeper. Our goalkeeper would be the same but otherwise we could play no from... comment about there is one player that plays in goal that always does seem to look like <coughs> well yeah we won't get we won't get into that but yeah you could play all our outfield players you could uh, who are injured you could start them and then there's an argument to say you could they could all start as start in the 1 to 11 position or sorry 2 to 11 position I do think there is one thing that is interesting though, because I think also you know coming back to the players and getting used to playing in this league I think that the staff are obviously realizing that um, the players coming from from Europe different game different intensity so what we noticed is that even though he had a really good game Jurisin against which game was it was it the last game where Jurisin was playing really well but they still pulled him off um, or was it Leeds it might have been Leeds actually they pulled him off and we all went wow oh, god why did you pull him off he's looking really good and the reason why they were saying is that they, I think they didn't want to put him out there for too long because trying to get them to play Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday and playing at this intensity the whole time a lot of the players aren't used to it he's so stopped I've, in every game yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's hardly played this season before yeah. I mean, he might have played a cup game or two no because um, yeah, so, he was, he was yeah. injured. He was injured last. 
last season. That's, well, that's right. So I think a lot of these other players as well. I think they're thinking this with you know. Hold on a second. You know these players playing 90 minutes of intense football. Actually, this could actually kind of lead to to, to injury type situations. So we're actually having to sort of kind of change what we do and probably sort of sub players out a lot during the games as well. well actually, that's an interesting point because the one thing Warburton did do is without fail he made three substitutions virtually minutes. every game. Um, last year in around the 60-70th minute and maybe that is one thing that you could look at and say that puts the players under less strain not playing 90 minutes continuous, continuously the problem is of course when you get a load of injuries it's less easy to do stuff like that and we continue. This is kind of linked to the, the previous injury question, really, and you know what, what we do about it. Um, I'm going to ask you all this question: What has Marinus Dykhausen learned about English football so far? You know, it's been a bit of a baptism um, for him. Um, Billy, I'd say not to believe anything they tell you in the interview, mate. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the job's been that different to the one that he saw uh, he in the, up the Yellow Pages he, or he, he said, Strange and Mart or wherever he saw it? He's turned up at the interview, he goes, oh, great, and we'll give you Andre Gray, you know, we'll give you lovely right-back, we'll nice, give you... Nice new pitch. Yeah, lovely pitch, you know, fans that are going to be loving singing your name, you know, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. You know, you're going to have loads of players, who will sign even more players, <laughs> he'll have so many players that you just won't know to pick from. He's gone, this is great, this English football, you know, we we'll give you a Jeep, we'll give you a flat... And he's turned up, he's gone, this is just nothing like what I expected. That's, that's quite a good point, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know, Matt, you said this a few weeks ago, that you know, instead of us questioning whether he was up to the job, it, he, it must have been a stage where he's gone, bloody hell, I didn't expect this. But you know, moving on, you know, it, it seems that we seem to be over that hurdle. But Matt, you know, what do you think he's learned? Um, I, sort of in, in a way away from tactics and whatnot, um, I think he's learned that he has to show some emotion um, because uh, he, for the first few games he didn't appear to even acknowledge there were supporters at the game. Um, and, and you know, when you're having hard times and stuff like that, I think supporters do want to see a little bit, to, to see at least him to recognise them as well, especially when they've travelled to away games. And I definitely noticed a step change in recent weeks where he started acknowledging. So is that a football fan cultural issue? Yeah, it's what's I, expected. I, I, I do, I, and, and it is expected. And I think it's it's probably it's it's probably easier to sort of. You know, understand that that's what expected than to try and sort of, you know, I, I don't mean fight it, but but just to try and you know carry on in your own ways. Actually, I think with Dykehausen, I think he's so intense while there's a game of football going on that I actually, I genuinely don't think he knows, sees, hears what's going on around him. I don't think it's, I don't think it was in any way he was ignoring people when they were singing his name and he didn't wave and stuff like that. I just think he's so focused on the game that he really doesn't, he's not aware of what's going on so off you, the pitch. So you just want him to just wave at you well, just during the game. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying there are supporters that do, and 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 it will make his life e it's, it, it will make his life easier. I reckon I, I reckon he's probably learned uh, how small the technical areas are in English football as well, given his run-ins that he's had with a couple of managers in in recent weeks. Um, but and um, and this is a pet you know petty petty remark, but I wish he'd get a tracksuit that fitted him, because I'm sure the trousers that he's wearing is too short, you know, so either, either wear a nice suit, Marcus, he, he's or six get, or, he's six or get, six or get, or get, or get, or get some tracksuit.
to the couple bit. of petty fuckers you are. <laughs> Tracksuit and waving. <laughs> what, so that what that goes what that goes to prove, Marinus, is that actually we think you're doing a reasonable job. So yeah, we have to scrape around. I think the fa- I think the Marinus fan fan club pack should be better. <laughs> I mean, a, ser- a serious question though. Serious question, Bill. Who would have won that fight, Marinus or Uve? Um, Marinus, uh, heads down. I think Marinus would have would have won that fight. It was quite a, <laughs> it was quite funny though because it was a, a bit strange because all of a sudden, like you know, there's Uve sort of giving it large, you know, <laughs> to, the, to the fans, and they just seemed to go for each other. And I, I was thinking about this. I don't know whether or not it was a footballing thing, whether or not Uve was like just kind of like digging at him and saying certain things or whether or not it might have been a Germany-Holland German thing German because that is a big, you know, oh, yeah, exactly. Don't mention the war. <laughs> do not mention you the know, war. And look, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there because I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe it just... Maybe Uwe's granddad bombs his village. I, I can't really comment on things like that at all, really. I wouldn't know. Um, I, I think I think um, Dijkhausen would definitely have won that fight. Um, and I think Uwe was slightly kind of... He, he looked behind him and he knew that he had Leeds United fans to back him up. And I think, I think, he, was, I think, I think he had a bit of... A bit of I was going to say Dutch courage, but that's probably the wrong expression. A bit of German courage. He probably thought, you know, I can't go wrong. But they did shake hands at the end of it. I didn't think they did, but I, I did... I, they did actually shake hands. Maybe it was reluctantly, I don't know. So, so Uwe had the Leeds fans who would back him up in a fight, while the Brentford fans were moaning about the length of his tracksuit trousers, the manager's tracksuit trousers. Goes to show what a friendly club Brentford so, is. Okay, so, so, so apart from waving <laughs> in his tracksuit and not believing the advert, is there anything he's actually learned about the game? Like the speed of the game? Speed, no, it's, it's, speed, yeah. speed and intensity. Mil- million miles an hour speed it is unbelievable and it's Endless, and you know, I think he's probably had to adapt the way he does a couple of things, the way that he puts his teams together, the way that you know, maybe the way that they train, maybe they've had to sort of tone it down a little bit. So, I think that's the one thing that he's done. I think also, I think one thing, even though he has been to football over here, but I think he's actually quite taken aback by the crowds because I know even on the Preston game on Saturday. Um, he told us he thought the crowd was absolutely brilliant. He thought they were fantastic. It was really intense. He just thought it was a really great experience. He was really, really loved it. And I was thinking, I'm not being funny, mate, but if you thought that was good, wait till QBR or one of the really big games because that was nothing in comparison to the game. So I think that probably in comparison to what he's used to in Holland, th- 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 he's been having sort of quite a good experience on the crowd front. I think that's a really good point because also the way that we're playing two games every week is you do have to tone it down. If you've got a seven, sorry, six days to prepare your players, that's fine. At the moment in the championship, you only have two days before there's another game that is upon you and you're really having to work out what the tactics are and, and that must be really tiring as well. I bet you he's putting in more hours than ever you expected um, which which leads me on to, to, to plugging a book um, that I suggest people should should read because people will have known that Michael Calvin wrote a really good book called The Nowhere Men which he did a lot of talking about Brentford's scouting system in it. Well, he's just brought out a new book called Living Under the Volcano, which I read while I was on holiday, um, and is a really good exploration of the stresses and strains that managers go under. Um, I mean, I'm sure that it's been, it, it will be required reading on the League Managers Association courses, um, but I do recommend that people uh, dig out a copy and, or go to the library and borrow one, because it really shows that as a manager, you are living the game 
you have to live the game 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and your f involvement with your family suffers, your involvement, uh, your, your health, be it men mental or physical health suffers. Um, and by God, on reading that book, you suddenly wonder why anybody would bother to be a football manager. Well, again, they get free track suits. Um, well, I think, I think uh, the other thing I, I hope he would have learned is that it pays to be brave. Um, I, I think he's been rewarded every time he's taken a brave decision. Um, it's affected the game. It doesn't always come off exactly right, but um, I think he's beginning to know his squad, and um, I, I think he's quite, quite an adventurous soul. Bill, we saw last year where um, this adventurous style, um, the fans loved it. Is, is, do you think he's, he's his own man or is he trying to emulate anything that's gone before him? No, I think he's definitely um, it's, it's different. I think that he says obviously he wants to play attractive football but um, I think there's a difference in how he, how, he, how he goes about it. I think that and I was thinking about this the last couple of days. I think last season, I think what was really what we got really excited about is that last season we used to really just go for it. We used to just like go for it, and we'd we'd either win or lose. But more often than that, we'd we'd win because teams would be so taken aback by us just going for it. We'd just like pass the ball about, bang, 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 back of the net. And uh, certain teams they got the hang of us, and they managed to to stop us from doing that. Borough, you, you know, Borough, you know, <laughs> Ipswich to a certain extent. You know, certain teams they got around that. This season. We haven't got that same type of approach. We'll still play a track of football, but it's almost like I don't want to say there's too much thinking going on in it, but there's this. I, I honestly think we miss him, Pritchard, more than we know, and you know that's he's, he's almost like the the irreplaceable. You know, he, he was never our player. He was he wasn't ours to keep. We couldn't have kept him. And I, th I think out of all of them, it's, it's probably him that we miss the most. <laughs> And Pritchard could run, but he could also, you know, he could, he, he was very, he moved the ball quickly. And probably if there's anything I'm noticing this season different to last season and um, is that we aren't moving the ball around as quickly um, in terms of, you know, from player to player. Bang, 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 one touch, two touch football. Other than that, bar up a borough. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I hear, I hear a borough. This yeah. is why I want to see yeah. more of Woods, and, you know, this is why I'm fascinated to see what McEachern will bring to the team. You know, it, it, we, until, yeah. I think, until we see more of, we have got those kind of players available, or will be available, so. Uh, I it, it was interesting, I thought, how, how much quicker Toombs moved the ball on Saturday once McCormack went to right back. Mm. I, I think that it, it's, it's, I don't want to criticise anyone because players are just different but I think when you have McCormack and Toombs together I just don't think the ball gets out of that centre of midfield as quickly as when Toombs is literally looking to play it forwards rather than having the McCormack option um, and, and, and at the moment we just need to, you know, it's, it's about getting the balance right, not giving too much away but, but, but being able to attack as well and, and, and I think that's what's intriguing about the side we'll see out there on Saturday Okay. The, the other thing that I want to bring up really now is Preston. We played Preston obviously Saturday. Um, spoke to their fans before and afterwards. Really good bunch. Really, really, really nice rounded bunch. They seem to be resigned to relegation, um, which is a million miles away from where we were at this time last year. Does it show you how better equipped we were and are than them, um, and how important a, a, a year's experience in this level is for for a team? You know, Preston were a, a pretty good team last year in League One. 
Um, but I look at them and think they are, unless they unless they try something adventurous, they've got nothing that differentiates themselves with a Rotherham. So, yeah. you know, we still have got that. We have still got some flair. So that that, that kind of reassures me. Did you, but, at the t- but at the same time last season, to be quite honest with you, I think the only result that was different probably between us and them, to a certain extent, was Brighton, where we played Brighton, but we actually played some really wicked football. Because before that, you know, we, we, we beat Blackpool, yeah, it's all right, you know, away from home, yeah, we got a result there. We beat Rotherham, yeah, we got a result there, it's all right, you know, we drew all these other games. And then we came to Brighton, we played some wicked football at the time that we were going, mm, you know, we can hope we can stay up, we hope we can stay up, play some football. And all the Brighton fans were going, not be funny, mate, if you stay like, if you play like that, you're going to be playoff material. We went, yeah, playoff, yeah, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Then after that, we lost the Borough 4 0, and we thought, there we go, you know. And then it wasn't until we came down, we beat Leeds, and then we beat Reading, where we thought, oh, we're back on the climb. And that wasn't going into October. So at the same time as the Preston, we were kind of there or thereabouts, still finding our well, way. Well, we, we went down to Bournemouth and we played really well. I think I think there were more positive yeah. signs yeah. than, than uh, they're looking out for. We made better signings. Um, in you know in in our off season before our first season of the championship, and I think Preston had done, um, and there was you could see some potential. I I, I think um, you know the Odebaju to to right back was kind of what kicked us really kicked us off going. But we were playing championship football very early in that season. Um, by October, we were playing we were playing at championship level and playing proper good championship football. I don't think that Preston team's got it in them. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated because I'm going to, and I said this last season, but I'm sure Rotherham are going down. Um, and then you've got to pick two more from maybe them, Bristol City, MK Don. So you're one of the numpties then that Steve Evans has been talking about. He's going, oh, the numpties, they didn't believe, you know, they didn't believe in us, didn't they? But look at us, we're going to stay up. I, I got, yeah, Steve Evans can call me a numpty, whatever. I've got... No, I've got better words. People have a go at Carl Robinson, I tell you. Carl Robinson is a saint compared with Steve Evans. He's a disgraceful man. And if Rotherham go down with zero points, I shall be only too Happy. They've got more than one point already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so unless unless you're going to have a points deduction, well, I would do for something. Steve Evans, no doubt, will you know cause I'm, some I'm ruptures. Sure he's and get the I'm points. sure he's had point deductions yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We aren't going to go down in by that reckoning. There's there's three teams that are. There's a lot of worse teams in us in this division. Let's let please don't let's count our chickens before they're hatched. That's we're not counting. We're not counting chickens. What we're doing is that we're, we're assessing our team that is out there from what we've seen so far, the players that we've got, the players that have got to come back, and the football we're playing, and also everybody else that's Br- out Br- there. Bristol City, I, I, I'd say, are, are pretty, you know, not not doomed, but they need to. They can't spend money until January. They try to spend in the transfer window. Sheffield Wednesday, we'll see a little bit more about them this weekend. But last year they were pretty poor. They're spending. I mean, they've got lots they of money. They, 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 they try. They try. They try tried to spend it but they you know they, they tried to get Ross McCormack and it didn't work but you know that they're we'll, we'll see what they're like on Saturday I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to jinx us we, we, the important thing is we just get through the next few weeks without any more injuries really and just start picking up some points um, and carrying on picking up some points I 
if, you know, we, if, if we pick up two or three more injuries, we are right up against I, it. I really think the, the, the most important factor in all this is that we've won on Saturday at home. Yeah. It, there's no there's no kind of, we still need to find a home win. We, we can kind of re- relax, not relax, but we, we can kind of be a little bit more relaxed about these two games. F- football's full of cliches, but and, and this is one, that the result was way more important than the performance on Saturday. We needed to get three points on the board and not, you know, drop into that bottom three. So, as we just mentioned, Sheffield Wednesday at Griffin Park, this Saturday coming, to prep ourselves and to find out exactly what to expect from Sheffield Wednesday, Billy the Bee caught up with a Wednesday fan. Here's what he said. So, match day approaches, and we thought it's time to get the SP on all things Wednesday. We've got on the line James Marriott from the Wednesday Week podcast. He's quite literally crawled back from Newcastle after a big night out there yesterday for Wednesday in the Carling Cup. It's fair to say, how are you doing, James? You all right? Yeah, uh, you're quite right. Um, as we talk now, it's uh, kind of mid-morning on Thursday. I got back home from Newcastle at 2am after um, a bit of a disaster with a flat tyre and um, a spare spare tyre, which limited us to 50 miles an hour. So it was a long, old drive back from Newcastle last night. But um, a a long drive is a lot easier when you've just won 1-0 than if you've lost. It was a bit bit of a flat tyre that you had. And uh, to be fair, Newcastle were a bit of a flat part, a bit bit, bit punctured, weren't they? Oh, they they were... uh, They surprised me, actually, because obviously they made a few changes, and it was their chance to... uh, to, to kind of give their fans a little bit of something, because it's been a hard ride for them in the Premier League. Um, and, um, I mean, we, we did miss the first 25 minutes due to our uh, flat tyre problem. Uh, but from, from when we got there, they, they really didn't seem to have anything about them at all. We, we really controlled the game. Um, I would think that someone that was a, a neutral would probably have said that we were the Premier League team out the, out the team that turned up last night. And this is interesting as well, because, I mean, last night's game, your manager... Carlos Cavajal, mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce his name anyway. But we, we've not he, quite figured it out yet. Either. <laughs> he, 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 he didn't take the game that seriously because he said, I'm concentrating on the Brentford match. So he actually made 10 changes from, from Saturday's game for, for your game yeah. last night. So you kind of basically put a B team out. So we're still trying to work out if that result was actually a good thing or a bad thing for us. Um, I, I mean, I would guess that it, it probably makes little difference really towards... Saturday. The, the only thing that really changes for us is it probably just gives it a, an extra couple of selection headers because there were a couple of people that played really well. Um, I mean, we, we have more central midfielders than we know what to do with at the moment. And uh, they're all in good form. They're all staking a decent claim to be, um, to be playing. So it wouldn't surprise me if we go for some kind of 3-6-2 formation or something, trying to squeeze as many in them as, uh, as we can do. Uh, but yeah, there was there was only Tom Lees that was uh, that was still in the team. When we saw it, we were a little bit like, mm, are we are we kind of just throwing this one away and saying it doesn't really matter? Um, and, and as we were in the car, um, trundling up to Newcastle at 50 miles an hour, uh, when we saw the team and, and kind of thought, well, you know, m- maybe that's a little bit too much to kind of make all those changes. But um, you know, we we the thing for us is we're used to having quite small squads. We don't recruit very much because we've not had much um, money in order to, to recruit. 
uh, this this year and, and this summer has been the first summer where we've we've gone out and we've we've brought in a serious number of players. Uh, and there's not a great deal of point in having a squad that's the size that ours is now. We've got you know, about 400 players on our books now. Oh, it feels like it. Um, there's not a lot of point in doing that if, you, if you're not going to give him a run out when you get a chance. So um, you know he, he was he was justified in his team selection, and um, ultimately they went out and won. And you probably can't really ask for much more. Dennis, and it's interesting you talk about the size of your squad, the amount of players that you brought in. I mean, let's just hark back a little bit to last season. And, you know, we're mates here. I'm being diplomatic, but, you know, Wednesday last season were an average championship side. You, you were finding it difficult to score. Things weren't going quite right for you. I mean, I know you took four points off the Bs, but overall it wasn't a good enough season, was it? No, we, um, I mean, effectively, we overachieved last season, really. Uh, you know, we had a, a manager who was, it was his first full season in, in charge. Uh, we had lost arguably our best player a couple of weeks before the start of the season when Mikel Antonio left. We replaced him with Stevie May, who came down from, from Scotland with, um, you know, a fair bit of excitement, but ultimately proved to, to, to do very little over the course of the season. So we had a very, very average team, and I think we were in probably the bottom four or five in terms of wage bills. Um, so arguably, we really should have been down there struggling last season. So the fact that we were hovering mid-table with, you know, a very slight flirtation towards the top six at a couple of points where we just kind of, as excited football fans do, just think, hmm, maybe, maybe, who knows. It didn't happen, and, and ultimately, you know, we finished in, I think it was 13. Uh, considering the players that we had last season, and, and, and when, you know, a couple of times this season, when we've looked at our starting 11 and then compared it to the, the, the game at the same time in the season a year ago, and thought, God, the, the, how much better our squad is now compared to a year ago is, is ridiculous. You know, we have a much, much better squad. And actually, Stuart Gray did absolutely wonders with the players that he got last season because a lot of them were really bad. So we, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we overachieved last season. We, we are a different quantity this season. Um, even we as Wednesday fans have not quite figured out exactly what that quantity is. We started very brightly, first game against Bristol City. Um, then we, everything went a little stagnant. Um, we we were, were struggling to win games. We were, we were leaking goals, which is something we weren't doing last season. We didn't score a lot last season, but we had a strong defence. Um, this season, we've we've been letting goals in left, right, and centre. So it, it's, it it all went a little bit um, a little bit funny. Uh, there were a few people just kind of asking a few questions about um, what direction we're heading in. And then the last two or three games, it's it's all gone a bit more positive. Yeah, but it's interesting, and you talk about that and, and, and this season because your owner has obviously turned around and said last season wasn't good enough. Um, you bought in a new boss, so you got rid of your old boss, you bought in a new boss, he's come in. And also, it looks like the owner's <laughs> willing to pump money into the club because you, you did ridiculous things like putting an offer for Ross McCormack and it was turned down. And <laughs> I, think it, I think it was like £10 million or something like that. So it obviously shows that you've got money to throw around. And then you've bought all these players. I think you've bought in... 15, you made 14 signings in the close season. I mean, you've lost 15 players, but you made 14 signings. And it kind of looked to us that you were just kind of signing anyone. You were just sort of picking anybody in and saying, hey, let's get him, you know, let's just bring him in. You know, is, is that how it seems to you? Is, or has there been a slightly more kind of sort of a, a tailored process as to how you've been picking your players in? I mean, it's, it's interesting for us. We, we've, um, we, at the back of last season, um, our, our new chairman announced that he was creating this sporting committee 
Um, so rather than have a director of football role, there was a sporting committee, which was a fluid committee. People would come, would go. Uh, Glenn Roder is on that, that committee, who everyone will, will know. We had uh, Adam Pearson was on that committee to start with, who after two weeks left because he wanted to go to Leeds to become their chief exec or something. And after three months there, he's left there as well to go back to Hull. Um, but we, we have this committee that's, that's made up of several people from different areas of the game. Um, and how it appears to, to us is that this committee has kind of sat down with the chairman and decided on a style of, of football that they want us to play and has then gone out to recruit the players that fit into that system. So we, 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 we have a system. It's a fairly clear system. And we, we, we needed certain players to fit that system. We wanted two players for every position. So I can see why on the outside looking in, certainly for us at the start, before we really got our heads around it, it did, we, we did question whether or not we were just going out and signing players very randomly um, and just kind of thinking throw them all into the mix and hope it works. Uh, but there is a bit of method to the madness there. We, we, for us, we have to bear in mind the fact that our chairman, our owner, is not a football man. Um, he, he wasn't a particularly big football fan before he became involved with, with Sheffield Wednesday. We've dragged him kicking and screaming into the world of football and he's become a football fan because of you know the, the passion that Wednesday fans have and the way in which we've uh, the the response that we've we've given him and the reaction that he's got when he's been at games uh, I think he's fallen in love with the, the game but he doesn't he doesn't particularly understand it he doesn't know a lot about football so we, we've had to bear that in mind and um, you know, we, we've, we've had to um, just, just kind of be uh, a little patient for, for everything to fall into, into place. Um, but in, yeah, in terms of the recruitment that we've made, there is method there. We've still got one player that we do need to bring in. We still need another centre forward, which we you know, tried desperately hard on, on deadline day. And I think that the, the chairman got a little bit of a rude awakening as to how clubs and agents do business on deadline day. I think he thought it was just a matter of making a phone call at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yes, OK, I'll take so-and-so. Uh, not realise it just doesn't work like that on, on deadline day. So uh, you know, we didn't we didn't bring in the, the striker that we really wanted to, to bring in. Um, but um, you know, we'll probably get someone in on, on loan before too much longer, and then hopefully January comes round and and we can kind of finish that little jigsaw. So looking forward to Saturday, you mm. bring in your full contingent of fans. You know, you sold out your allocation, sixteen hundred fans down at the Griffin Park for a day out um, yeah. for their couple of three quarters. Of course, one of them's closed down. But don't worry. Oh, it? I didn't know that. That's right. Closed down, I think it was last season. So there's only a pub on three corners. But there's plenty of other places to drink around Brentford. There's loads and loads. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the question I'm going to ask you, though, do you know, are you going to be playing your A team or your B team on Saturday? <laughs> um, I, I would be surprised if we don't pull out more or less the same starting 11 as we did against Fulham on Saturday. Um, I, I think that we, we have a head coach who he is um, he's quite headstrong. He has he, he believes in his system. He has ways and means of doing things, and um, you know he strongly believed in making the changes on 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 Wednesday night, regardless of the fact that we won on on Saturday. He thought, no, I am going to play these players on Wednesday night, and there were a lot of fans calling for it to be the same team as we played on Saturday because it, the team won. Um, uh, he's stuck by his guns, and I think he'll do the same this weekend, and I think we, we will see pretty much the same starting eleven as, as we played last weekend. Um, there the, the, the may be a tweak or two. Lewis McGugan played very well last night. Um, there's a possibility that he may figure, but I, I would imagine it will be more or less the same. Uh, Sam Hutchinson was, was um, suspended for the full game. 
there's a possibility that he'll come back in and, and Forestieri to go off at half-time, having, having picked up the knock. So there's a slight chance that he may be injured at the weekend, although we, we have some serious fingers crossed for this end that he's not because he's been a real revelation for us. I mean, I mean, you've got the top scorers, you've got Lees, you've got McGugan, you've got uh, Nuhu as well. They're all top scorers and two goals. So, you know, changing your side around to sort of incorporate them into the side or, you know, how do you think you're going to actually line up? Um, so I would think, I mean, it, it, it's, it, our goals have kind of come a little bit from everywhere. We don't have one person that's banging the goals in. I mean, we're hoping that that will be Forestieri moving, uh, moving forward. Uh, the way in which we've been playing the last few games is um, a, a, a fairly flat back four. Um, and then midfield-wise, it's been a, a bit of a kind of a, a, a sort of three... We've got kind of a, a holding midfielder, uh, which has been Sam Hutchinson for most of the season, but then Alex Lopez, who, who we got on loan from Celta Viga, uh, he came in and played that role on Saturday. He played it very well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of keeps his, uh, he keeps his place. Our, our star man this season has been a guy called Kieran Lee. Uh, he's a central midfielder. He kind of dropped out of favour at the start of the season. He was one of the, the kind of the old faces from last season who shot Sean for us last season. But everyone kind of thought, you know, now we've got in new players, well, he, he just won't, he, he won't figure in the plans anymore. He was good last season. This season we've moved, we've moved up a level. Uh, Kieran Lee himself has really moved up a level. So, so he's become kind of our star man in midfield. Uh, Barry Bannon, who we, we brought in a few days before the transfer deadline, who's um, kind of been knocking around um, the, the Premier League for the last few seasons, but not really playing any football. Um, he, he's come to us and he's also been in relationship. He's been really good. Um, and then, of course, Forestieri um, playing as, as the number 10. And then Ati Nuiu, um, who's been kind of our main striker for the last two, three seasons, even though there was a big contingency of Wednesday fans that don't rate him. Uh, but, you know, he is our number nine. Um, and, you know, he'll be, he'll be playing on Saturday. Okay. And also on, uh, well, yesterday up at Newcastle, you also had Liam Palmer playing. Is that, is that Carlton Palmer's son? No, it's not. <laughs> we, we, we do sing a song about him where we, we sing, uh, we've got Liam Palmer, Carlton's not his father. It's, it's, <laughs> a, common, it's a common mistake, uh, but no, there's, there's no relation there. Okay, we thought you might have done the Forest thing, because obviously Forest had Des Walker's son play, so we thought, well, we've got to match them. We need to get <laughs> international, international son in as well. You know, so, but, yeah. I think, I, I think a, a good half of Wednesday I still believe that he is his son, and, and, and probably in the heart of hearts know that he's not, but still choose to believe it. From our side, anyway, we've got, you probably know we've got a raft of injuries. We've got 10 players out, which is absolutely unbelievable. You know, 10 yeah, players, crazy. most of them first-team players. So we're having to make do, which is interesting because we're getting a few uh, new players coming in that we, you know, might not play before, people like Josh Clark. Um, we've got Juricin, who's just come in on our strikers. He's just come in from Austria, who's scored a couple of goals for us, looks very, very sharp. Mm. And then we've got um, Kanos, who's this uh, Liverpool player, who fantastic little player who's just come on and did a little, I wouldn't say a cameo, but he came off the bench last game and he played very very well so we've got all sorts of different things happening and you know Brentford are starting to just come into their element now and uh, it should be an interesting match so game on Saturday are you confident that you can get a result? It, it, it's an interesting one this we, we recorded our podcast on Tuesday this week with us having the, the trip up to Newcastle on, uh, on Wednesday um, and, and we, we talked about the Brentford game and said it, it is a total unknown um, I, I, we just don't know how to call this. I, I, I can see us coming up, uh, sorry, coming down to your place and, and giving us a bit of a good hiding. Um, I could see it being stalemate. I could see it being a, a nil-nil draw. I could see it being a, a three-all draw. 
Um, I could see us, um, you know, stealing a 2-0, maybe even 3-0 win, and none of those results will particularly surprise me because I think we, we've both had fairly mixed starts to the season. We both have uh, some quality, but we both have a mistake in us. Um, so it's, it's such a hard game to call. I honestly don't know. Um, what, what I would say is that I, I certainly don't, don't come down expecting a result. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and, and confident that we can get something out of the game. Um, in my heart of hearts, I, I would probably be, be quite happy with a point. Uh, but as I say, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, we, if we come down and if we can turn it on the way that we did against Fulham um, and at times the way that we did last night at Newcastle. We, I think we can do this uh, in, in this league a really good run for the money. So, um, I don't know. But that's brilliant. It's so, good. it's so nice to go into a game and you just have absolutely no idea which, which way it's going to go. Two teams well, have pretty- made a lot, of, a lot of changes, a lot of players in, a lot of players out. Uh, still kind of learning about their own their, their, their team and, and, and how they're going to play and players still learning about each other. So God, it could go 4-0 either way, it could be a 4 all draw, who knows. I'm going to put you down, score prediction, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to, uh, right, I'm going to go for one all. one all. Okay, wicked, so what, what about you? I've already said 2-0 to Brentford straight up. I think we're going to get our mojo back and we're, we're going to get on a roll now, so well, that's okay. my thoughts. But listen, this is for Wednesday fans as well. If you're looking for pubs before the match, check out besotted.co.uk. There's going to be a couple of Wednesday articles up there, and they've got all the pub information you need. Not only the three pubs on the corners, but there's loads of pubs everywhere, on the river, by the bridges, up in, yeah, all over the place. There's loads and loads and loads of pubs in Brentford. So, uh, yeah, so, but also, you know, James, I'm going to catch you for a few Swifties before the match. You know, we're going to meet up in the Globe as well, which will be cool. So I look forward to that. Yes, it's going to be good. I, I honestly feel a little bit embarrassed about that. This is my first trip to Brentford. Um, many, many, many years of, of following Wednesday, but for various different reasons, I've never made it down to um, to Brentford. Um, so I am I am seriously excited about this uh, this Saturday. Looking forward to it. Uh, really looking forward to to the, to the pubs and, and kind of meeting you guys and um, you know having a bit of uh, a bit of a laugh with some um, some Brentford fans. So um, okay. yeah, roll on Saturday. Cool, cool. No, we look forward to it. I mean, we might have a, an old and, 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 you know, sort of antique-looking ground, you know, but it's got a lot of character. But what happens is that pretty much every single away fan that comes down to Brentford really enjoys it because it is friendly. You can go anywhere. You can drink anywhere. You can wear your colours. You know, as long as you, you know, if you've got respect for the locals, as they say, you're fine. But you go to Brentford, you'll have a right old laugh. So, you know, we just so Wednesday's games, come down, have a bit of a laugh, and just make sure you give us the three points, OK? <laughs> we'll see about the last bit. Okay, catch you on Saturday. So, there we have it. Interesting things that were said there, you know, but I think that Sheffield Wednesday need to improve from what we saw from last year. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a fascinating game. Um, You know, these are the the games we've always, we we, we wish for every week. You know, they're they're, they're, they're high high impact games. Um, It's another... 90 minutes for, for players to, to, to get used to this division bill. Durasin, we said earlier that he's not quite fit, not 90 minutes fit, but we've seen enough of him yet, do you think, to, to want to sign him full-time? I, I said I laugh because as, as soon as I saw that goal against Leeds and then that Borough thing we said, and the way that he played, I said, let's sign him up. It's, sign, it's like one of those things where you just don't hang around. And he's got a good song already. Yeah, he's got a, a Jirasin. 
pleasures. But um, <laughs> I mean, those songs, they just they don't come to mind. We to can't let a player just like. Slip through our fingers for the song like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, Jurisin, you look at him, he gets the ball, he knows how to finish. Brilliant. We haven't seen that for you know, we've had great strikers here, but he's just different. You sort of think, listen, put him in the bag. If he was you know, and we're not gonna hark back to times of last season, but if he had turned up in January, which couldn't and probably should have happened, but it's irrelevant because we had a great season last season anyway. If he sat on the bench for three months and came out in April when everyone was knackered and did his thing, you know, you know we might have been three, four, five, six points better off than we kept in Canada. So what I'm saying is that that player needs to be in our side. And the one good thing about it is that, from what I've heard, is that, yes, he's on loan to the end of the season, but if we want him, we can have him. So... Um, you know, it, that's positive. To have, to have an option like that is is something. So we, you know, we, we're actually thinking about next year as as, as well sign as him up. Having sign him up. Sign him up. He's a Premiership player. Sign him up. And to be honest, I'd also sign Kenhorst up tomorrow. You know. We've only seen a couple of games, but the fact is that he brings that energy. And anybody, we, like I said, we moaned about um, Pritchard, great player, but did he ever change his Twitter photograph from being that Tottenham shirt that he had on? Everything like he never changed it. And I used to talk about it a few times. I'd come on, Pritch, you know you're one of us now. Canos has wasted wasted no time in swapping his photograph for absolute pottiness of Brentford players hugging him after he sort of took part in, in setting the goal on Saturday. And that's the type of player that we need. You know, you know, on a serious note, and we've said this a lot. That is serious. To, no, no, to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to be to, to be to, no, no, to, to be that potty for playing for Brentford, to be that enthusiastic, to be in the first team surrounded by a real crowd, people singing your name. You know, you you can't you can't for a young player. That's that's everything. It's absolutely everything. He will not want to go back to be playing in a park watched by three people. Um, and watch a few games on YouTube. He, he'll want to be part of a first team, um, you know, week in, week out. And, and I, I hope that we can convince him that signing for Brentford is a, you know, is a really good career. Tomorrow. So yeah, well, tomorrow, but Jan, 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 January, January probably. Um, Nick, you know, signing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, offered something that we haven't seen around. Um, Certainly, well, certainly since Yota got injured, but I mean, he offers another creative flair player, and I'm, you know, you can't have too many of those really if you want to be a successful team. I'm, I'm, I just want to see a bit more of him. Yeah, <laughs> cautious man. The thing is, again, we're playing, we're playing Wednesday on Saturday. We're playing Wednesday on Saturday. There we go again. We have to say that it just doesn't make sense, does it? We should be playing Wednesday on Tuesday, shouldn't we, or something like that? But we're playing Wednesday on Saturday. There's two things that that I think are really positive about this whole thing is that we saw Preston come down and they tried to shut up shop, and we had to try and manoeuvre around a team that just didn't really want to play football, and we managed to do that. The fact is that it shows that we need to, obviously, as you say, be more adventurous when we're at home. We need to go out and play the game that we used to do where people used to fear us and that means we need to go out there with speed with, with you know playing the ball around we need to be doing that at home and I think against Wednesday they're obviously struggling they try to buy all sorts of players and you know 
we've got a striker, we know Jurisdiction can score goals. They're still, I think, looking for that person, that striker. So we've got advantages over them, and I think we need to play to our strengths and just do what we have to do. We've got the players out there to do it. We need to go out there and just blow them away. We do need to blitz them. Absolutely. If, if we can, let's just try and do it. I, you know, I've said it before earlier in this podcast, uh, I think just because we won last Saturday, it, it does kind of, it kind of does unshackle us a little bit. Yeah, we've got to be, we don't want to be conceding goals in 30 seconds again. We don't want to go gung-ho, but we need to go for it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, they were they were a team that did come down and shut up shop last year, from my recollection. It was nil-nil at home, and we lost one nil away. Um, so... Um, yeah, uh, if we if we get something out of it, then it's another step forwards, isn't it? As well, um, from what, what we achieved last year. So I think that they probably are going to come down looking not to lose because I think that's where they are in the league this season. They've only won four games, including cups. It's a pretty motley selection: Bristol City, Mansfield Town, Fulham. Um, I was good. That was my. I was going to finish with Fulham. Now you ruined my gag. It's not really a gag, but um, and, and now Oxford United. I don't really want to finish on that, but Oxford United is the other one. <laughs> I, let's remember they are still above us in the league, Sheffield Wednesday, although they played one, one game more. Um, but we have also shouldn't forget that we've also got the Birmingham game on the Tuesday as well. And so it's going to be a really interesting test against a team that we probably all think are going to be struggling for relegation on Saturday, uh, Sheffield Wednesday. And then following Tuesday, we've got Birmingham, who I think probably ought to be this year challenging at least for a decent playoff p- p- position. Yeah. So it's going to be a good test for bees about what we got. Bur- Birmingham did play well last night Aston Villa, but you know that's that was their their cup final yeah. technically. So you can't you can't yeah, I mean I think last night they yeah, really did the they, they really did all they, they all they could. I mean they, they should have got they, they should have taken the game to extra time. They, they had, a, had a brilliant chance but um, you know uh, they weren't quite good enough. So, I mean, let's have a let's have a little prediction, Bill. What, what, how's it going to how's it going to pan out Saturday? Two 0 to the bees, straight up. I would go the same. Two 0 Um, one nil, one nil bees. We, we, we're incapable of keeping a clean sheet. Two one Brentford. So, Billy, round it off. Do the links for me. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> So, good week this week and more to come. You can check out all our stuff, Brentford stuff on besotted.co.uk, audio boom, besotted, also uh, iTunes besotted, and 1992 on besotted1992 on YouTube. You can check out all our videos, we've got loads of videos there. You should try and subscribe to us, try and tweet us on besotted. Um, we've got all sorts of stuff going on, it's good to hear from you. Oh, we've got a besotted Facebook page, we forgot about that as well, besotted.co.uk on Facebook. Go and check us out on that. And yes, indeed. And Dave, you've got a Kickstarter thing going on as well, haven't you? Yeah, we're trying to get the 125 year book reprinted. Um, we need to raise 16,000, which seems an awful lot of money, but we're we're also we're all we're very very close to achieving it. I think we're you know a couple of grand away from doing that. Um, so if you if you head over to Besotted, there's a, a link to that page. But if you look on Kickstarter, it's a crowdfunding um, page. Um, there's a brilliant video there. Um, it's a very evocative uh, sort of goes through all of the Brentford's history. Um, so yeah, if you if you did if you missed out on the uh, the official 125 yearbook and you want to make sure that you get one of these limited edition reprints um, you need to you've got until 
midnight on Tuesday to, to, to back the bid. So um, if you head over there uh, and, uh, yeah, support it. So two big games in a little over 72 hours. Um, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Birmingham at home. Two big games under the floodlights on Tuesday night especially. I'm, I know I'm really looking forward to Birmingham City. Birmingham at home is always a feisty one. Um, get behind the boys. Let's see if we can get at least four points out of this. Hopefully six. Come on, you bees. Come on, bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.